0: Back to Northwest today, it's Friday, it's after 10 and it's time for our panel discussion and indeed joining us on the panel this week are Sligo Jump Independent Councillor Marie Castle and a former county councillor in Sligo as well, Keith Henry and a current teacher and a good week to have uh, somebody in from the teaching profession with all the various congresses that have been taking place and we'll be uh, addressing some of those matters in just a couple of moments time. But I suppose the big issue of the programme today that we had has um, very much focused in here on the housing crisis and we looked at it Marie a little bit earlier on from a different angle in the sense that families that have dogs are now finding it very difficult to secure alternative accommodation they've been told look at we don't accept pets that's the rules if you want to try and for us to consider you to rent this property uh, the doggy has to go and as a result of that dogs are being surrendered a huge amount of support for landlords on the text messages this morning Dog lovers are crying foul. What would your view be on it?
1: Well, I, I just was listening to it on the way in, John, this morning, and um, I think what what the the litter warden has suggested was maybe to have a trial period. I know generally when you're putting up an ad for for, or you see ads for for rentals and um, you know they say no dogs or no pets allowed but I think it is a, like it's a different situation now and I, and I do, I do I do see it from just from bring both it a little sides. bit closer
0: to the mic probably sorry
1: um I see it from both sides but I think the the proposition of a trial period I think that's a very good idea because I was just, just as just as I was coming in and listening to it um like we have a little rescue dog and it's like you know the the net, the extra child the the added child in the family and i can't imagine what it would be like and what our kids and they're bigger now would be like if they had to give up our wee fella and you know and for little children and you know the pets bring so much you know they bring so much love and so much happiness and fun to the to the house and i think it's 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 terrible i think if a family has to give up a pet Um, and I can see from the other side especially if they're bigger dogs if there's fouling if they're you know scratching on Mm paint works and but I think it is a good suggestion I think that most landlords would probably you know realise that it's exceptional circumstances and give it a trial period call every you know four to six weeks for a start and you know I don't think if the dog is doing any damage I I think it's yeah I think it's cruel that their family would have would to give, have to give up a dog. Okay, oh, yeah. Keith, I,
0: I don't know would you be a dog lover or not, but one thing that I can sense here from landlords in particular, they feel they are getting an awful lot of bad press with all the coverage of the housing crisis and even, uh, I suppose, an item like this that was kind of a little bit off well, slightly lift of centre today that seems to have got up them as well a little bit, and they feel that every bit of coverage when it comes to a housing crisis, now even dogs, is negatively impacting them. Are landlords very sensitive all of a sudden? Well, first of all, I would—I've grown up
2: with dogs, and I'd be very much uh, a pro-dog person. We always had one on the farm at home. And um, but, but to answer the question uh, around the landlords and have they right? First of all, not every property, in my view, is suitable to having a dog. You know, and you know, and and that's why in the property I live at the moment, it wouldn't be big enough in my opinion to have a dog and I think it would be unfair uh, in some circumstances so I I can see from the from a wealth animal welfare point of view, not everywhere is suitable um going back to landlords yeah landlords are getting a, a rough time but you know it's the same as some landlords allow smokers some don't um, and at the end of the day it is their property but as Marie would uh, said, I find it very hard to ask a family who would had a dog for seven or eight years if they have to move that or oh, you have to give up your 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 dog uh, as a result of it um but like I said there are certain properties just in my personal opinion would not be suitable to have an uh, Particularly large dogs in it, and you know some of the behavioural issues of dogs then occur as a result of that uh, when
0: they go out into into the public. Okay, and maybe some issues there for for the owners to address as well. Okay, that's one that's going to rumble on. Let's talk about the the big story of the day, and we're just talking about this off air here, Marie, a couple of moments ago that the visit of President Biden today would be very much focusing in on Balonne, and I think we to paraphrase what we're saying is maybe so close but yet so far that. He's in a neighbouring county. He's only down the road a few miles. But in many ways, I get the feeling around the Northwest that, you know, it's not massive news, albeit it's big news in, in Mayo. But is this presidential visit in some ways lacking the, the aura, the excitement, the ram- razzmatazz of previous presidential visits here?
1: Oh, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think from watching the media and like nearly every media channel nationally and locally has covered this, and it is look, it's it's absolutely massive. You know, to have and especially for a uh, Ireland West Airport and not to have a president land, and it's just I know some of the staff up there are they're so honoured as well, and it you know it's it's a great privilege to have a president arriving, you know, in your area, so and, and in your local airport on your doorstep. So I think it's great, and you know, like. From a tourism point of view... tourists don't recognise borders or they don't care about borders or county lines or country, you know, so I think, you know, Enniskrone and and over there in West Sigos is is right beside Ballina, and I think that we have to, um, well, we, we have to congratulate them for, you know, the, the work that they've done over the last couple of years, getting ready for the visit, and you know, I think that it, it has, it'll have a knock-on, positive knock-on effect on the entire, on well, the entire country, but the entire northwest as well, it's like the rise in tide, you know, and I think even just if I think he's given a really good injection of hope. Um, just listening to some of his speeches, um, you know, he's talking about the future. He's talking about the, you know, how positive he is for Ireland's future and America's future and the links and we even have to look here in in the northwest the amount of employment that is created and sustained by american companies and foreign direct investment and i think we might lose sight of that sometimes so the actual the relationship between ireland and america has has always been strong and i think you know there's been blips particularly in the, with the, with the last president but i think that this has kind of cemented mm. it and reinforced it. There's been a few of the last president. There has, but I know that I was speaking with, with Marion Harkin there and she actually welcomed um, President Biden to um, to Leinster House yesterday on behalf of the independent group. And I was watching it as well because I, I was there last year so I could imagine what the excitement and, you know, the and ovation and the feel good. I just think that, you know, he's... His heart is in the right place. Uh, He's such a great love um, for Ireland. And, you know, he said you were right, you know, about his mother saying that he'd come back as president. He's just... Bursting with pride mm. and, and Irish pride, and I think that all right, it might some people might see it as a bit corny, but yeah. I Someone think it said really a, is. a big
0: um, Irish American vote as well. Oh,
1: there is of course a big Irish American vote, and we, um, you know, we, do, we don't have to look too far to, you know, there's lots of people um, living in the Northwest who have family living for generations over in in uh, in America. So, you know, the links no more than our links with England as well. The links are so strong, yeah. and I think that, you know, people commenting, you know, a few negative comments shouldn't. Um, Take away, take away from, from the, visit. the really positive yeah. visit, and he even quoted Yates as well. And you know, the the eyes of the world are on Ballina and and Knock and yeah. the Northwest, and they're going to but, get the weather you first. Know, so it's, I think, I'm I'm so happy for them. You know that. You know, we don't get that amount of publicity very often. Oh, we should, make, so. we should well, make the I most think, of it. You know, I think it's, I think it's great. I think You know, m- more of it is what's needed. OK.
0: Keith, can I bring you in on this as well? Because like every presidential visit here, there's always going to be, a, I suppose, some controversial issues. Some would say maybe the, the whole visit to Northern Ireland wasn't handled that well. Other people would say he got it just right in, in, in relation to Stormont. People before profit weren't happy that there was homeless people being moved out of the Phoenix Park on a temporary basis. So what Maurice is there, the vast majority of people would agree with. You know, it's hugely beneficial, this magnificent potential for tourism as a result of President Biden's visit here. What about, you know, say the people for profit angle? His foreign policy may believe something to be desired according to them. Homeless people been moved. Are there any negative aspects to this We're
2: visit? Just on the part, like, uh, these are huge events for the people of County Louth and for people in County Mayo and for people trying to drive through them. They're absolute nightmares because of all the different diversions that are, are, are taking place. I, I really think this was a personal rather than a political visit. Um, I listened to his speech yesterday in the doll and it seemed very much to be about his own personal connection with the country. There wasn't a whole lot in it from a political point of view is saying that he was going to deliver on any particular aspect uh, between Ireland uh, and America. And every time we have a presidential visit or every time there's someone with Irish connections in the White House, one of the big things uh, that the Irish community in America and their relatives here look for are, uh, you know, changes to the to the status for, for those who are living there uh, for long periods of time but don't have a recognised legal status. And there was nothing mentioned in his political speech there. So I really think this was a personal trip rather than a political one. Um, and the fact that he has made that connection to both sides of his ancestry in Louth and Mayo uh, epitomises that. And look at if you look at all his speeches, they were all very personal. The one political side of it was, I suppose, in Ulster University. Um, and I think the reason he didn't spend as much time in Northern Ireland, um, number one, the Stormont uh, executive is, isn't in operation there. And I do feel the unionist community in Northern Ireland seem as a little bit too green and perhaps there's a little gaffe on uh, the black and tans as opposed to the all blacks mm-hmm. sort of uh, covered that off. Um, look, I don't think people before Prophet have ever attended uh, the welcoming of any US president uh, in 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 recent times. So, I mean, it wouldn't have come as any great surprise to yeah, have... It was the, a
0: political opportunity, This. Yeah, there.
2: what I think was it, two or three seats is all that was empty. Mm-hmm. There was enough people there to, to fill them in, in the doll and, and, and Shannon. And, you know, the one thing about Joe Biden, he seems to be a very, very personal character because his scheduling is all over the place. Um, You know, if he says he's going to be there at five o'clock, it seems to be six or half <laughs> six. I don't know where... <laughs> Irish. You know, yeah, So he yeah. And he certainly has inherited the Irish gift of the gab because be you, be you the ordinary man or woman on the street, he seems happy to stand and talk. Uh, and and that's why I think it's more personal Absolutely. than a political delivery.
0: And he's so refreshing to see on that. And interesting about him as well, Maria was reading yesterday and, you know, some people would say as well, well, the presidential visit here is going to be hijacked by well-known companies such as the likes of Diageo and you always see a, pi- a president landed with a pint of Guinness mm-hmm. or pouring a pint of Guinness... Mm-hmm. Some would say stereotyping the Irish, but here's the guy that never touches it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I was actually thinking that, and and the fact that he's, you know, he's gone into the deli, you know, the deli shops, and he's gone he's walking around the streets. It really is. I don't think he's into that much of. A, he's not into the, you know, the branding and the image as much as maybe other um, presidents would have been in the past. So yeah, as Keith said, I think you know it's very much a, a homecoming and. um you know i'd say yeah, he's not he's not getting any younger either you know and maybe he thinks this might be his last visit as well you know and he's brought his family members with him as well so you know and he spoke about every time he he speaks he talks about his um his grandparents and great grandparents and you know, it is it is definitely a homecoming. There's a lot of nostalgia there. And, you know, I'd, I'd say in the back of his mind, he's, he's thinking he said he planted a tree that he's hoping that his grandchildren will, will, will climb. Can so, I ask you one you know.
0: point? Um, and, and again, it's something Keith keep picked up on, on say, the, the whole attitude of Northern Ireland. And Arlene Foster mm-hmm. is somebody you'd have, have, have had dealings with in the past as yeah. well. She'd have been fairly critical of him. What would you make of that?
1: Yeah, I think that that narrative is there as well. It's funny when you you know when you meet somebody. Uh, I only I only met her once at the the um the, the the trial opening of the SLNCR there in Glenfarn, and it's funny when you meet somebody in person, the 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 public image you have of them that's completely different, and you think that you know that there's their thoughts and beliefs are so alien. But I was so. I suppose surprised by what she had said, you know, about keeping borders open and you know the the importance of of having business in small communities in in Leitrim and in Sligo and in, and and keeping keeping people moving across, and that surprised me a lot. So yes, I think that she um you know she's she's very um I don't yes yeah, she she would be cynical I suppose, mm. and that 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 goes with with her Taking territory. Talk a little
0: bit about her attitude towards Biden.
1: Um, I think, you know, the 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 jibes I think I I don't think they're necessary. Yeah. You know, I think that people can can rise well, I think you know, when you're a public representative, I think you need to rise above an awful lot yeah. of that. And, you know, I think the most important thing is no matter who is in office, um I I think you have to respect the the office of you know, whether it's a Taoiseach or the Tonishta or the president or you know, any any president. You know, if we don't respect that office, then I think that's you know, it's it's a bad day for democracy because we are in a lucky position that we live in a democratic society yeah. where so many millions of people around the world haven't got that opportunity to live in a democracy. So I think we think we take that very, very much for granted because that's all we ever and we think, well, that's our right, you know, and it's, you know. And we're
0: fortunate. Keith, we i let you back in on this.
2: Yeah, look, I think Arlene Foster had one of the most difficult jobs, not in Irish political but in in world political, that's trying to lead the DUP uh, in that it's a party that seems to be intent on ripping itself apart and you have to, as leader of that party, come up with various different soundbites to to, to keep both factions uh, in tow. The the significance of this visit as well by Joe Biden is, I think it would be the last one uh, of a president with such an Irish connection because we're moving further and further away. if you look at all the candidates that are lining up to try and take on Trump. None of them would have the, the strong political connections or, or family connections to Ireland as Biden had. And that 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 generational thing is moving on. Like, mm. You know, most of our immigrants in America came during the famine times and we're moving into a stage now where that's that's nearly 200 years ago and the demographics of, of America have changed. So that, you know, that Irish vote while one in ten people identify as being Irish, it's probably getting smaller and smaller in the grander scheme of yeah. things.
0: And unfortunately the frequent, the frequent American and presidential visits here could become a thing Correct. of the past yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. fair point. Maybe we should uh, make the most of it while the opportunity presents itself. Right, let's um, go back to something that we, we touched on at the very beginning of the programme. And I suppose we can link these two things in together. Uh, the next two topics that I want to talk about. The the housing crisis, obviously, is a major, major issue. We, we talked about pets and housing a little bit earlier. But for the last number of weeks, months indeed it's dominated the agenda here and what was always going to be interesting, Marie was to see from an opposition perspective if they would take a bounce when it comes to the political opinion polls. Sinn Féin most definitely it seems have taken a bounce. Their support from last weekend has broken all types of records for them. Fine Gael seemed to have taken a major hit as a result. So, Give me your take on that, the lifting of the eviction ban. Was there always going to be, I suppose, an anti-government swing there against the government parties and were Sinn Féin always going to benefit from this or is it more deep-rooted? Is, is it almost inevitable now at this stage that Sinn Féin will be in government next time round?
1: <laughs> I'd love to have a crystal ball to, to see that, but I don't um, I don't know. I think, you know, as everybody knows, it's it's... And Keith, you know it's it's very it's not easier being in in opposition because you don't have to make the hard decisions. And I suppose when you when you go into politics, um, that's something, and it's hard, it's difficult, you know, to have to make those hard decisions. Yeah, but like, you can
0: be effective opposition, and oh, you, you can, can be Liam Duck opposition.
1: Absolutely, yeah, you can be effective, um, and I think. You know, I don't think that there's any good time to lift the housing ban, introducing it. um, You know, it it had to be done during Covid, but it's very, very difficult to, you know, to to um, to get rid of something you know that was that that was positive for so many people. It's very hard to take that away, whether it be, you know, any kind of a tax rebate or you know, if once you take it away, it's very very difficult. But definitely, um, I've been contacted by people all the time who are very very worried about, uh, where they're going to live in the next few months. I know that Sligo County Council have um are working on plans at the minute to to assist those who are in need of social housing support. You know, who who have been given notices of. So there is an awful lot of work going on behind the scenes, but it, it's it's such a difficult situation. And, and I know that it's, you know, that you were talking earlier about landlords as well. It's very difficult for a lot of the accidental landlords, you know, who, you know, the small... The, this The small landlords who may have an you know a house that they inherited from their parents or grandparents or uncles or whatever, and you know they are getting out of the market now because it seems to be very very difficult and i think one of the one of the things that they could maybe introduce is you know to have some sort of um you know if they want to do upgrade on their on the house or any kind of works to uh-huh. have some some sort of a a tax break or you know somebody had mentioned to me last week you know that to to maybe give landlords some sort of a tax break for uh, to and to 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 not terminate and to, to to hold on to their to to their tenants until the tenants find somewhere else. And I know a lot of landlords are you know, they're not all going to they're not all kicking out their tenants on the streets. But at the same time it is a huge worry. Um and especially with um Will
0: independents suffer as a result of maybe backing the government to some degree on, on well the I eviction suppose
1: it de- yeah, well it depends. Um Marion Harkin didn't didn't back the government on this one and, and other issues. And mm. I know that I suppose But Matty issue- McGran and yeah, this group yeah, did. Yeah, they did. And I suppose you're yeah, it's I think what you have as an independent is that you you know you vote on each issue as it arises. And you know, some you know, I would be in favour of of you know, a lot of uh, what the government are doing at the minute, because I think they have done a, a good job, and then other issues I would find it very difficult to support them. So, and I know that even you know TD, government TDs find it very very difficult to vote for some policies, and often at the time and it's, we see it in Sligo County Council, you're bound by legislation as well. It's not just you decide one day, well, I'm just going to do this because, you know, I can. You're, it's you very much picture. bound by legislation. You can't actually... There's a lot of the stuff that you'd love to get carried do, but you just cannot.
0: All right, okay, can I just come back and by the way there's loads of messages from people coming in here very much agreeing on what you're saying. Delighted to hear both of you on here at the minute. Um, Good to hear Marie voice the views of independence, perhaps a future independent TD in the Sligo-Leitrim constituency. Uh, Some more messages in here as well. Great to hear Keith Henry on the radio again and how we miss him on the County Council here in Ballymote. Hopefully he will put his name on the ballot paper next year um, and play a part once again, I'm going to ask you about that now in a minute. I can't let a question like that go. Um, then on the other side, John, what exactly is the panel's problem with Donald Trump? Did he start a war? Did he make peace with North Korea? The answer is yes. Unlike Biden, who bombed Syria, Biden has more English blood in him than Irish, and he's not a Catholic. Um, some more accusations and claims about him here. Tell your panel to stop boost boot licking Joe Biden. You're going to get all types of messages in here on a Friday. Some good, some bad. Let's address that issue on the County Council. I presume it's an ambition of yours to return to the local authority, is it? it well, I,
2: certainly at the moment it is my ambition, um, particularly uh, in Ballymote since... I lost my seat in 2019 and since Eamon Scanlon lost his doll seat in 2020, there's no political representative living in the town and since 2019, there's not a day that doesn't go by that I'm getting a phone call and thankfully... um I've been appointed as a local area representative by the party and I'm able to carry out some of those duties on behalf of them and make representations at local and national levels. So yeah, this time next year I intend to be in the throes of it as all the other candidates and I'm sure Marie as well uh, for the local elections. Right,
0: let's talk about local elections for a minute because one thing and Marie mentioned it here, you know, when you're in opposition it's great and you can say no to everything and object to everything and make all the right political sound bites. However, if you are representing a party in the local elections that are in government inevitably and you know this better than anybody inevitably local councillors are the ones who often pay the price so bearing in mind those opinion polls that we looked at there of course Sinn Féin are on the increase Fine are on the decrease um, Fianna Fáil perhaps the jury is out how confident would you be of contesting anything say for under the umbrella of the green party finn fall all at this stage well, i don't
2: think any candidate in any election can be too confident mm-hmm. because that's the first sign that you're 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 on the back foot uh, or you're going to get caught out it is difficult because local elections always happen generally mid-term in a government or towards the end of a government's performance and they're seen as a bit of a you know a gauge for it. Mm-hmm. the only thing with the local election it, you know it was exactly as it says in the tin it's a local election and and you know all candidates will be encouraging people to vote for whoever their local okay. candidate are. the housing
0: crisis i would argue was the local and uh, national it, it, issue
2: and it is and that's where where the local government uh, and the national government intertwine and in my own personal opinion i think local government is is it you know the powers that are devolved to it aren't enough and that's why the national gets dragged into the local election issues. Compared to, you know, England, certain areas in England and in all of Northern Ireland would be going through their local elections in a couple of months. They have much more autonomous power uh, than the local authorities here. Uh, And I think that's why there's such a connection uh, between the two. But just also to remember, in 2019, Sinn Féin lost loads and loads of seats. Some of the TDs that were elected just seven months later in, in February lost council elections lost council elections so I mean anything can happen in an election cycle but I do think that that definitely uh, the government parties generally will suffer um, I'm hoping in my instance that I can regain uh, the seat uh, on behalf of Ballymote first of all and it's hinterland and on behalf of the party um, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, if you do see uh, Sinn Féin bounce because they're polling up in the high 30s. Um, would
0: you see them in government I next time? think
2: it would be, at, and I know I was part of your election panel the last time, uh, so I like to call it as I see it. Um, I find it very hard to see how uh, there will be a government next time without Sinn Féin. But it means, I'm not saying that it's going to be an overall majority because mm. I think those days are gone.
0: Would it be difficult for gets for Sinn Féin to get other parties, would you see Labour or anybody like that moving I in see, with them? I
2: don't see them having enough seats. Uh, I'm thinking you're going to have to look towards... Uh, independence? Perhaps there might be enough independence, like the doll is going to increase in size uh, the next time. So maybe that will bring in um, some more independence. But you know, you're looking at uh, Sinn Féin having to do a, a grand coalition uh, on a similar scale to what we have at the moment.
0: All right, so it's going to be interesting times ahead. There's no doubt about that. As we mentioned, it's great to have two teachers in studio as well on a week where the whole situations um, in relation to teachers' pay have dominated, so by into your conferences as well. And I know you can make the the, the difference between a national school teacher, a primary school teacher, a teacher-based Rurally, a teacher-based in an urban area. So the, there's various motions have come out here. Now, the vast majority, and you forgive me for saying this, the general public, time and time again, went on radio over a long number of years when you mention issues about teachers. They'll say, oh, God, here we go again. The teacher's complaining again. Do you complain, Marie? No, i <laughs>
1: I don't know. I love my job. Um, I don't... Well, look, again, we're in the very lucky position that we're not working in, you know, in, in Dublin and having to, to pay rent in Dublin as well. And I do know that Um, I have... Um, you know nieces and nephews and and friends children who are you know entering that stage at the moment and you know they're finding it very very difficult number one to get accommodation and number two to pay for accommodation and to hold on to it so a lot are you know they're deciding to take a year out and travel for the year as well and then see work work abroad see how it goes in the next year or so and then come back or look for work closer to home so there are not too many of them unless they have a, been promised or have a permanent contract or are or, are um, or, or some sort of permanency that they 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 don't have any plans to stay in dublin long term mm. you know so um, and would you
0: be in favour of them getting a subsidy? Maybe if our yeah, rent was, prices are inevitably higher.
1: Yeah, I was. I was. I know that um, in in other countries and in London they do have subsidies for them, but I think again. You know, you're singling, you know, teachers would be singled out then. And and I know that, you know, nurses would starting off would be on similar salaries. And I think that and doctors and, you know, a lot, every, you know, every young worker, they're on lower wages. Um, you know, they should probably all be entitled to a city subsidy of some sort or again, a tax break. Or I think that, you know, the government probably near the departments need to look at, you know, if you're paying over a certain amount of rent that you get a, a rebate. You know, backing your taxes. So, and at least then that's the fairest way because um, if you're, if, you know, if you're if you're not paying that much rent, then obviously you wouldn't get. It. Right. But if you're paying a lot, I think yeah, a, a depending on where sort. you're
0: teaching and, and your, yeah, your your yeah, status no, where you're rep, living.
1: Sligo, and you know, I, I get reps from from people all over, and I you know even see that the the, the price of of accommodation and the likes of of Ballymote and Tubacur you have gone through the roof as well. So it's not just. It's not just in Dublin either, you know, so uh, and it's particularly it's more difficult for us for teachers, at least with nurses. They have, you know, they have a set contract and they have their hours. But with teachers, they might only have maybe 15 or 16 or 17 hours and then they have to supplement. So I think, again, based on your salary and the amount of rent that you have to pay, it it should be quite easy to work out to get tax credits sorted and you get your tax credits back, or you get your tax back at the end of the year on
0: what you've paid. Keith, as how big of a crisis is in the teaching profession at the minute
2: when it comes it to is, getting teachers? It is very very difficult and it's not just a Dublin issue. I know in, I teach in Carrick and Shannon and we have a large enough school mm-hmm. um, and there would have been vacancies in particular subjects that we could not mm-hmm. fill so we had to, you know, that meant that teachers went uh, without somebody maybe qualified in it or they went, you know, things had to be rejigged in the middle of the year which caused disruption, you know, you have one teacher and then you're moving to another. Um, the issue around it, and Marie is touching on it, is, is there has been a casualization of the teaching profession over a long number of years. You know, not every teacher as soon as they qualify and get a job uh, gets a full-time contract. Not every one of them gets paid for the holidays that we're on at the moment. Depending on the, t- the contract that you are on, uh, you may be get holiday pay, you may not be getting holiday pay uh, and that has led to a lot of people uh, leaving. I qualified over 10 years ago um, and of the two subject groups um, that I teach history and geography I think there was about 10 or 12 uh, in NUI Galway at the time. There are only I think three of us teaching in Ireland at the moment. Two of them are teaching abroad and the, less, the rest of them have left teaching and that's only in, in one subject grouping and you could replicate that. Um, it's because of the casualization of it you know you know, it could be in, in one school on 16 hours you go to another school you're on 22 when you're moved on again and you get no permanency which means you can't go and apply for a mortgage even if you had the ability to do it. The, what the what the conferences uh, were talking about I think it was just the INTO that, that voted for it in the end was the, the, the city allowance. Like Housing is not just an issue for teachers. I mean, you could have an allowance for several different professions in Dublin uh, and in Galway and Limerick and all the other cities. The issue I would have with with giving additional pay is that for years in the unions, we have been fighting for pay quality and we're just at a stage where we are, we're getting close to pay quality uh, for those who entered uh, the professions after 2011. If you go down that route, will that create a divide? That if okay, if I'm a teacher in Longford or Sligo or Leitrim, you know. do the same amount of work as a teacher in Dublin, where I think you can correct it is as Marie mentioned in the tax if if, if tax credit that if you are renting a property within a certain area you get a higher tax credit and there is a tax credit out there of five hundred euro um, for no matter where you are in the country but obviously in Dublin uh, you will be paying uh, significantly uh, more uh, uh, for that so I think the, the tax credit should be reviewed for those for all people not just teachers uh, because okay. it's 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 a widespread across issue. the board.
0: Maria, somebody heavily involved as well in career guidance and hand on heart now at this stage, would you recommend teaching as a career to your students at the minute? I would.
1: I would hand on heart. Um, I have a lady at home who's who's thinking about um applying for for teaching for next year as well. It is it's it's a changing profession. It you know it's not it obviously it's not the same as it was twenty or thirty or even ten years ago. Um, I would I think the sense of it's different teaching now than you know even fifteen or twenty years ago. It's a lot. Um, I think. The students have an awful lot more say in, you know, what happens in the classroom. I think that the the classroom based assessments, the, the way that Subjects are taught and the way that students learn have changed a lot for the better. Um, you know, there's an awful lot of of, of group work, um, independent learning, peer learning. I see in, in my mm-hmm. classes, um, I would have some of the students, you know, they would they would test, they would, they would, they would, they would have a test, but then they would correct each other's work, or if somebody's having an issue or having a difficulty with a particular piece of work, somebody who has finished the work would. Help them, so that kind of period and i I love to see that because it means that you're not just standing there at the top of the room and wondering you know is is this actually effective, whereas you see that when students are teaching each other and learning from each other, they're happier because you you know you're not. Like they're more relaxed and in a relaxed learning environment, I think that's when the learning yeah. happens as well. So it
0: sounds. I've got to say, it sounds an awful lot more relaxed to my day because if you did that when I was going to school, you'd be accused of copying yeah, notes from another yeah, student. No,
1: no, it? no, it's different. And it, like students are, I think like we, we, we don't give them enough credit for their maturity either. And I think that they thrive on that. That hmm. if they are given that responsibility. You know, and they are a lot. Of, you know, they're a very, very mature bunch of of, of right. young adults now. So, um, it has teaching has definitely it has changed over the past few years, and I would say for the better. For the better,
0: Keith. I see one criticism that keeps coming in here, and when we're talking about maybe trying to help young teachers get a foothold and get established, time and time again we see it that you know there's an awful lot. One of the messages is saying here that there's too many retired teachers that are coming back in and doing substitute work where maybe those hours should be allocated to young teachers who have just graduated. Is it always that
2: simple though? Sometimes
0: they're not there to get. It's
2: as simple as that. Um, we would have a huge issue, you know, on any given day that could be between football games or different events on and people out sick or at in service we could have up to 10 to 12 teachers absent. Now teachers... Uh, Uh, there is a scheme within second level where you have to cover a certain amount uh, of supervision. and and you can opt into that if you, if you entered uh, the profession before 2011 I think it is but outside of that it can be very difficult to get substitute teachers and I know in the primary sector um I know of primary school teachers that go in when they are sick because they know they're they just feel that they can't get a sub at at short notice at second level it's not as bad because you have teachers you've a larger pool there yeah. and somebody might be able to 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 pull in for it. um retired teachers I haven't seen too many retired teachers a uh, going back uh, subbing uh, at second level in my instance um, because they've retired for a reason they want to go and, and do whatever you know with their with their own time but at a primary sector I have and I have seen it that people who have retired they could be set the full week at it and it's because there's a lack of supply and there are online portals now where deputy principals and principals will go and they'll look for a sub but you could be ringing seven or eight of them before yeah. you get somebody that'll uh, be available because there's such a shortage.
0: And you get that dreaded call overnight from a teacher who, f- for genuine reasons, may be sick the next day and might not be able to be in a position to come in. There can be bedlam and trying to rearrange timetables, classrooms, and everything that goes with that. Marie, is it an issue of maybe retired teachers coming back in doing sub work, or are they almost a vital uh, cog in the in the wheel here, a, a cog that simply cannot be done without?
1: Um, well, I know no, we don't. We wouldn't have too many um in our school. Again, you know they 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 move on as well, and they're busy with other with with other you know with family and maybe travel and doing other courses. So um again, yeah, it's easier I think to get uh, secondary school subs, but definitely in primary school. And you find that it is an issue that you know SNAs then are expected nearly to to sub you know and that's unfair on SNAs as well and i think that's a huge issue that needs to be tackled um uh, from speaking with a, you know working with them and speaking with a lot of them over the years you know that it's it's such a, it's a, it's a tough job it's a huge res- it's got huge responsibility um they do absolutely fantastic work but i really do not think that they are paid enough and that their conditions are what they sh- what they should be and i think if if that was a more um attractive job, um I think you'd have an awful lot more people going into it as well. So um I think that the whole system needs to be looked at of you know of, of opportunity of contracts. Like if you know when when a teacher is is hired, all right, they have the probation period the same as everybody else. But give the teacher a permanent contract. If they're happy to work in the school and the school is happy with them and their subjects are needed don't leave them hanging on there for a couple of years. And then this, you know, these contracts that they get and they don't know whether they're going to be working for the summer. They don't know where they're going to be next year. Do I go and do another interview? Do I do 10 interviews? I have to wait to be called. Just give the teacher the contract the same as in any other job. And at least that'll balance things out. People will be more, um, there'll be more, um, I suppose, in control of their future as well, and at least they can decide then whether you know they're going to stay in a particular area, and they'll they'll set down roots there as well. They mightn't have expected it, but if you get a, a permanent job somewhere, you know you're not going to leave it very quickly either. You know, so I think, like look at the, just the the pay and conditions in particular, and I think that you're going to get an awful lot more teachers going into the profession, same as every other profession, same as nurses, doctors, everything. Pay them properly, because if you don't, you can see that. People are just leaving these professions, and we have the you know one of the highest edu- um, standards of education in the world for a particular reason, and mm-hmm. it is because of our you know our our, our standards of education are so high. And I think that in order to keep those standards high and we reap the rewards because we see the multinational companies coming in, our graduates are some of the best graduates in the world and multinational companies know that. So and that comes from a really high standard of teaching in, in actually in in preschool, uh, in primary and in secondary. So if 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 that whole area of education and it's easy to, to divide and conquer, the departments can divide and conquer and pitch one union against another pitch, you know, primary school against secondary school teachers, that's not helpful because it's society that loses out at the end and it's our children that lose out at the end. So I think we need to support all our workers, you know, and not just pitch them into saying, you know, well, you know, teachers have this and nurses have that and that. pay our workers properly and we will, we will keep them and we will get and continue to get a, a, a very high standard of, of professionals that we need in the country.
0: Keith finally and briefly I suppose those challenges that Marie described in relation to education and indeed to health retaining, sourcing and retaining staff, fundamental to both systems working in health and education. Oh, absolutely. And and, and the discussion we had on housing is, is connected
2: with that. If we had more housing supply, well, then you have more chance of getting people to being able to afford the rent. So you know, the two of them are, are, are not decoupled. They're, they go hand in hand. And I think that's the job of work that the government is going to have to try and continue to try and solve. And try, number one, the housing, and then the paying conditions. Um, I think the, the the tax rebate, I think, is something that the government could do pretty You know, as a quick fix Mm -hmm. uh, towards uh, addressing uh, the the shortage of all public sector workers within
0: our cities and and the greater Dublin region as well. All right. Okay. Would you believe it? We're out of time. You know, you have one last comment, Marie.
1: I have. I have one last, or I have a couple of last things just to say, congratulations to Sligo uh, seniors and the under 20s who beat Mayo. um, on Wednesday evening there and the best of luck to the miners as well just to say it's just fantastic that, mm-hmm. that Sligo S- 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 GEA is just on such a roll at the minute and I have to say just to give a, sh- a very quick shout out to Declan Henry who has come over from New York a few weeks ago to support Sligo and London, but of course his his nephew is managing the under twenty team and his daughter is senior physio is physio for the uh, senior team and the under twenty team. So every week he's saying he's going back, but of course we're we're winning, so he hasn't gone back yet. So Good. hopefully next week and um, best of luck to them in the Connacht final. And uh, just a, a last shout out to the Castle to Cave Camino that's happening tomorrow in Cache. In I don't know, Keith, if you're doing it or not, but hopefully the weather is good for them and it's there's the still spaces available. So I said, I just I know some of the lads up there. Just what you need on a Saturday morning.
0: Yeah. Just just, uh, 34, yeah. 35
1: yeah. kilometres of a walk. Uh, like, <laughs> Look, it's...
2: I'd like to be associated with everything that Maria said on Sligo and and the Camino both of us were in London we had a chat over there as well uh, last week so it's a great time for Sligo G. but I just want to wish I, I actually have to head to a wedding after here so tomorrow morning for a walk might not just be <laughs> the best but I'd like to wish uh, Kevin Burke from Chaffpool and and of curry and Rachel Davis uh, from Kulani the very best of luck and health and happiness in their marriage well, married,
0: said. well said and the best of luck indeed to them and every success in the future to both of our panellists today thank you so much indeed to um, Marie, Keith, thank you indeed for, for joining us in the studio. That's it. Niall is back again on Monday morning just after nine. Have a great weekend. Margaret Carflin produced the programme from herself, John Lynch. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you soon and bye-bye for now.